You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today, we've got Justin Kahn, who is funny enough, Justin, I was looking through your Twitter and someone said, literally, this guy's personality is I sold Twitch. So <laughs> co-founder of Twitch, sold to Amazon for $1 billion in 2014. He's now the co-founder of an NFT, what's called a gaming NFT marketplace. And I'll let him explain a little more in a second called Fractal, which he just started. So I've got a podcast called The Quest, which I think is also now Fractal Radio. Is that correct? Yeah, I have a podcast called The Quest, and we've been just putting a lot of fractal content on it recently. So, yes. Awesome. All right. Besides that, I mean, Justin's also working on a Burning Man car as well. So he's a modern day renaissance man. What do we call him that? Justin, how's it going? That's great. It's great to be here. How are you, Eric? Doing well. Thanks. Cool, man. Well, why don't we start off with... So I'm going to keep it. I'm going to lead up with a broad question first, and you choose how you want to answer. So tell us about what your story is and how it relates to fractal, and we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah. So I've been an internet entrepreneur in Silicon Valley for the last 18 years. Started a lot of different companies. One that people know about is Twitch. And then more recently, you know, I've been an investor, investing in startups, early stage companies. And then I've incubated and created some companies. And most recently, the one that I've been working on is this company called Fractal, which is a NFT marketplace for gaming NFTs. So people can buy, discover, and sell gaming assets on this marketplace. And yeah, I think Web3 is going to change gaming and there's kind of a, a lot happening right now in, in Web3 and gaming. And so I'm really excited to be building there. Cool. Yeah. And so for this podcast, it's mostly a marketing audience. I'd say marketing slash business audience. And so I think there's still a lot of people in the space are just like NFTs are a scam, right? So can you maybe start yeah. off with why NFTs? Uh, oh, you actually had a tweet. Let's start off with that first. One of your tweets sure. said you started Twitch and gaming was big, obviously, but gaming NFTs will be way bigger. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. So, okay. Twitch is obviously started off as something small, something kind of like niche. It was like people watching people play video games. And there were a lot of doubters. There were a lot of people who didn't think it was going to be a thing that it was going to be pretty small. And obviously it's turned into one of the larger websites in the world. You know, I think it's a top 15 website in America at least. And, you know, since, since then I see a lot of parallels with gaming NFTs, you know, gaming, NFT. So like the idea of what's an NFT, it's just a digital pointer uh, that says who owns an asset, right? So it's like uh, on the blockchain, it says, you know, it's a tradable indicator of ownership of a certain asset, whether it's like a piece of media or like a, you know, 3D model in a game or like um, some sort of like item that represents an item in a game. And, you know, the reason why I think gaming NFTs are the next thing is that this already exists. Like the idea of you buying, you know, people paying money for digital assets, in-game assets is already something that's been happening for decades, actually. 20 years ago, I was playing World of Warcraft, like it was my job. And it was like 50 hours a week in World of Warcraft when I was in college. And the fact is that like, I was, I liked it so much. I was buying gold on eBay. You know, so obviously I valued this like in-game asset and I like want a shortcut, like what, you know, the experience I was having, I would like, accelerated. And so I was willing to pay money for digital items. And so I think that that's something that's, you know, continued until today, like people in Fortnite or Free Fire or Counter-Strike, they're buying these digital assets. And the idea that you could just like now put them on a blockchain and the users, the players can have ownership over those assets and they might have lasting durability beyond, you know, just the single instantiation of the game. You know, that's something that to me is like an obvious next step. 
it's interesting. When I used to play WoW, I never. So I'm assuming you bought from like the Chinese farmers on player options yeah. or something. Yeah, um, that's right on eBay. Yeah. So this is a complete side question. What did you do with that money? Because I, I couldn't justify paying for the gold. Maybe I was a broke college student. That's why. I don't know. So I was a broke college student too, but it wasn't very expensive actually. You know, it was like yeah. ten dollars or like I think it was like dollars for hundreds of thousands of gold. You know. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't paying enough attention. Yeah. So the reason I'm really bullish on, on not just NFTs, because I actually played a game called EverQuest before WoW and I grinded like hell for this nature walker scimitar as a druid. And I got a fever trying to get that weapon. So I would pay thousands of dollars for that NFT right now. And so to me, this seems like a no brainer. I think any gamer listening to this right now, or if you've played a game, it makes sense. So tell us a little more about how Fractal works. Is it just, you go there, like it's, cause you've integrated with a lot of web three games already. How does it work? Yeah, so it works like a marketplace. You can think of it like uh, eBay or, you know, Amazon or something like that. Like, it, you know, just like a marketplace that sells you physical goods, like we're a marketplace that sells you digital goods. You go on it, you can discover new games. There's a lot of information about the games up there, like about their teams. You know, sometimes there's a game playable trailer or playable version of the game that's embedded in the site. We do videos about the games that we partner with called Fractal Radio, where we talk about like, you know, what's the game about? What's, you know, the team about? What's their vision? And then you can see the assets for the game. So you can just like kind of scroll through assets, browse them by rarity, by price, like all these different, you know, ways to filter and, and sort. And then you can find assets that you're interested in buying and then buy them from your Solana wallet right there. We're on the Solana chain right now. Mm, got it. So... You actually had a tweet talking about how it just says all roads lead to crypto. What do you mean by that? How do you think it ties in with with Fractal here? Yeah. So I think, I mean, crypto is to me is the most interesting place to be building right now. If you're like a builder on the internet, you're an engineer, you know, designer, like crypto is, you know, where if I was starting my career now, I'd be working in crypto because I think crypto is like 10 years ago, or I guess it was like 15 years ago when I started working in the web and it was kind of like web 2.0. It was like we were discovering how all of the ways that people were going to relate to each other socially on the internet. You know, Twitch is like a way that people interact on the internet. So it was like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And then now, like, it feels like we're going through that same type of revolution, but now we're determining all the ways that people are going to, you know, interact around value on the internet, how we're going to value different things with each other. And so, you know, NFTs are, and DeFi are like different ways of doing that. And so, I think that's pretty cool. Crypto is really interesting to me because it's very cross-functional, I don't know, discipline industry. I guess it's like all the same problems of technology and engineering, plus, you know, kind of this like group psychology and economics and incentives, you know, and marketing and community building. And so with crypto, you can kind of, you know, adding a crypto layer onto your technology product, you can figure out like you can create new incentive structures to get people to participate in your product, marketplace, you know, whatever it is. And to me, that's really cool. You know, you know, what's funny. So you mentioned you're on the Solana chain. So we just launched something in our business. I was like, I talked to one of our devs. I was like, Hey, why don't we try to pay people in Solana? Like if they fill out their employee engagement survey on time on Fridays. So we start yeah. paying people $5 in Solana. We just launched it last week and engagement rates are up like 40%. And so like, <laughs> we're just going to try to keep rolling it out across like different things. But the reason you brought that click for me was because you just mentioned different incentive structures. So I think we're just seeing the beginning of this stuff right now. And because it's a marketing podcast, I do think it's been, I'm just going to speak like in general terms, it's been easy mode the last couple of years. You launch an e-commerce brand and you go on Facebook ads and boom, you might have a nice $20, $100 million business. And I'm oversimplifying it a little bit, but 
marketing's been easy the last couple of years, and now it's going to get a lot harder. And marketing the Web3 world, it is harder marketing. And I want to talk about how you launched Fractal because sure, people might say, oh my God, like Justin's got a brand already and all that. But I don't think it was just as easy as doing that. Like, I think you guys are starting to see good traction. You know, Twitter's has a good following amount too. So how did you guys launch the brand? And because it looks like you guys have been around for a while, but you guys just launched recently. So yeah, so we announced it in December. So I guess it's about two months ago. And, you know, we just, we announced it. We started doing giveaways with partners. We announced a Discord. We started building our Discord and people just, we did a lot of press around it. People kind of joined because they were curious about like, you know, like, oh, there was kind of a natural story, right? The founder pushed back with this like gaming product. And so, you know, that was like the hook. But then I think there was a lot of like community management engagement that we really focused on. Like how are we building engagement around our Twitter and our Discord specifically to get people to you know, participate. And that's where we focus most of our effort. And I think that paid off. Yeah. I mean, you've done a couple of startups, right? And you know, you have, what I didn't mention in the beginning is you also invest through goat capital. So you've got goat capital, yeah. you've got the podcast, there's other stuff I'm sure you work on as well, you know, building cars. So why go for another startup as well? You've been through the ringer. So yeah, I just like building stuff, you know, startups for me and like creating companies is like a vehicle for my creativity. It's very fun to build things and work with teams. And so to me, it was just like, I was interested in working with this team. We had this idea for an NFT gaming marketplace and we decided like, let's just go and, and see what happens. You know, I'm glad we did because it's it's been a lot of fun to work on. You know, what's interesting too, it kind of comes like some of the people we work with on in the Web3 world on our stuff, like they're 19 years old and they're grinding like crazy. They're working like 16, 17 hours a day, which I think is unsustainable. But yeah. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing. Like our Web3 team is way different than like the full-time people we have in like, let's say one of the businesses. So yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. You know, one, and that's something we see with Fractal too, is like people were work, working super hard. And it's fun actually, but you know, there's probably a question around sustainability. I think that the reason is, you know, crypto like never sleeps. It's like very global. Like people are always trading your assets or they're like on the marketplace trading, you know, all hours of the day. So it's, you know, it's, I think that's one aspect that lends it to be more, you know, global. Like we have community managers on the site all the time, you know, or on the discord. So I think there's, you know, that's one big reason. And then, you know, I do think it's like probably skews younger, like in terms of who's interested in crypto right now. And so there's, you know, you're, when I was in my twenties, like I was working on Twitch all the time, right? Like we were around the clock because like we had nothing better to do. And so, you know, I think there's like, that's one aspect too. Do you try to mentor your team out of that? Cause I remember I had a conversation with someone yesterday, she just turned 20 and I was like, look, what you're doing right now is unsustainable and you're starting to see it affect your mental health. And so I actually like went into like, I don't know, like father mode or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like, are you just, do you just kind of just let, let them do their thing or how do you look at it? Well, you know, whenever I talk about startups, I talk about like, Hey, the goal is to, it's not, it's a marathon on a sprint, you know? And so it's all about sustainable, like hardest sustainable work path, you know, rate of work. And I, I do think it's important to like, take care of yourself and do all the things that you can to like maintain, you know, yourself and like your own mental health. So mm. people like, no matter how hard you're working, you should always make time for your own diet and exercise and meditation, you know? Yeah. I was going to leave this for the end, but we're kind of talking about it right now. But, you know, you talk about, you know, living holistically and living consciously. So what do you mean by that? And how are you doing? Because I, I know you care about that stuff. So, yeah. So I do a lot of things to try to be more conscious of my own behavior. So meditation being one of them, just understanding like, what are the patterns that, you know, I'm living out in the world and why, and then turning them from a subconscious 
decision. You know, you, most of the time you're on autopilot, even when you're thinking about work or solving a problem, you're like doing it in a way that's maybe like based on all the environmental training that you had when you were a kid. Right. And so a lot of times we're acting, we're just acting our subconscious patterns in the world. And then, you know, we might feel a certain way. You might be upset. Something might not have gone well for you at work. And then you're like, you're triggered and you're kind of like lashing out at the people around you or something like that. Right. And, you know, my goal for myself is just to be more conscious of my experience. And so if I feel upset, that's okay. Just like understanding how I feel upset right now. That's interesting. I might like, might be triggered by something that happened to me today. And then like choosing how I want to show up in the world. So instead of like throwing a chair unconsciously, just being like, oh, okay, I'm upset. Maybe I should like go for a walk, you know, and just to calm down or reset, you know, change my context. So I think that's really important. And then holistically, it's like, I think I have a pretty integrated life where like, I mostly focus on doing the things that I really love to do. And I think I'm good at, and then try to partner with people who are maybe good at the other things that I'm not so good at. And I don't love to do. And so to me, like most of work, or pretty much all of it doesn't really feel like work to me because I'm just really focusing on the things that I think are my superpower, you know? Yeah. It's working hard. Isn't the goal. It's more so like finding easy work and working hard on it. So work that's yeah, exactly. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Not only that, so you know, aside from going on walks, meditation, all that, from my understanding, I know there are different entrepreneur groups. So let's just call that uh, group therapy. That's one. The other piece is I believe you have an exec coach, right? Yeah, not anymore, actually. Well, I mean, I've had different exec coaches over the years, but like right now, I'm, I don't have one. But like, yeah, I, I've worked with Matt Mochari, who's an incredible coach. You know, he coached a lot of different CEOs over the years of, you know, Reddit and Flexport, Coinbase. And you know, so Matt's, Matt was incredible. And, you know, he, we worked together years ago. You know, I haven't really been the CEO of a company in a long time. So now I'm just going off what I've learned, you know? Yeah. So what did you get out of that? Because just for everyone too, by the way, a great CEO within, great book, very tactical. So check that one out. But yeah, what did you get out of working with him? Yeah, just, uh, you know, once again, I think it was the number one thing was just really helping me be more conscious of my behaviors and like also being more conscious of my subconscious behavior, not being more willing to just say like, what's on my, like be up up front and like say what's on my mind and what my experience was. If like if I was feeling upset about something and you know with my team I, in the past I might have like tried to stuff it down, but here I'd just like say, oh, I'm like upset that this is going this way and like just have a discussion about that. You know, and so you know, instead of hiding how I felt or what was going on for me, just being willing to like talk about it, you know, and not in a confrontational way, but like in a way that was just really honest, you know, very clear. And I think that ultimately was better because like, I wasn't very good at hiding my emotions anyway. So like people would know I was upset or something like that, but they'd be in fear instead of like, and questioning what that was about versus me just saying it and then getting, moving on, finding a solution, moving past it, you know? So yeah. those were some of the things I got from Matt. Yeah. I feel like there's different tiers of working on yourself. There's like the journaling component in the beginning, there's gratitude, there's meditation. And then there's like, there's different groups, you know, there's kind of working with the coaches, kind of like therapy. And then like my friend right now, he's, he's texting me, he's in Costa Rica, he's doing an ayahuasca retreat. And I'm assuming you've done one before, right? Yeah. I've, 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 yeah. I've okay. had a ceremony before. Can, so can you, can you talk about that? Cause literally I was texting him. He's like, yeah, man, it's like 20 years of therapy. I'm like, holy crap, maybe I need to try. So like, so yeah. tell us about that because I mean, I don't know, you just tried a lot of different things. So I just want to know. So, yeah, I mean, it really changed my life. Like sitting ayahuasca really opened my eyes to how I was living out all these patterns from my past in my day to day, you know? So 
I realized, you know, the long TLDR is like a really wild experience, a very intense experience. It wasn't recreational at all. You know, it wasn't fun, but I did learn a lot about myself. And over the months after I sat ayahuasca for the first time, I realized that everything I'd done in my adult life, every decision I'd made was to get the approval of other people, you know? And I realized like that was my pattern. It was like, I just want other people to like me or approve of me. And so that's why I want, you know, that fueled me as an entrepreneur. That's why I wanted to be successful and why I cared a lot about that. And so that was like an uncomfortable realization at first, right? Because it's not very attractive to realize that about yourself, to admit it anyways. But the positive of it was once I realized that I was like, oh, I can love that person, you know, even despite all these things that it actually served me a lot, you know, it, it helped me even get access to this sitting in this ayahuasca ceremony or to, you know, be successful and then have the opportunity to, you know, have a lot of resources to decide what I want to do in the future. And then that was kind of realization. Number one, realization number two was I don't have to show up that way in the world if I don't want to now. And so since then I kind of refocused a lot on instead of like the extrinsic motivators, like money and status and fame and people telling me like, Oh, you're doing a good job or whatever. It's much more about the intrinsic for me now. It's like, what do I get up to excited to do every day? And like, how can I focus on doing that? And if I'm doing those things, then I feel like I had a great day and it doesn't really matter what happens. Like with fractal, you know, I think it's a good idea for business. It's working, you know, maybe, but like I'm having a lot of fun with the team. Like it's, you know, growing it, but like at the same time, I like, it doesn't really matter what happens to me. It's like, okay. Like as long as we had fun and we put in our best effort and, you know, we were, I was learning and like, I was activated and engaged and like the outcome will be the outcome, you know, depending on many different factors that uh, some of which I don't control. So it's just a different way to look at things. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a lot healthier. Yeah. It's just understanding that it doesn't really matter what we do in a thousand years. Nobody will really know who we are. Yeah. So do you think, I mean, but not in a nihilistic way, but in a beautiful way, right? Like it's yeah. like, it's easy to say that and be like, Oh, it doesn't matter. And people interpret it as, Oh, you're just giving up. Mm. But actually I think it's very freeing to say, Oh, things don't matter in the way that we thought they did. Like if you get this promotion at work or a bigger salary or sell your company, it doesn't really matter like you'll be okay. Anyways, you're going to have the life that you were supposed to, you have plenty of opportunities to have a full, rich human existence, connect with other people, experience joy. Even if your company isn't worth a billion dollars, you know, like, and so it's kind of human life and furls as it's supposed to. And any of the individual experiences, just an experience is just like one moment in time. Yeah. I love that, man. I mean, you know, my meditation focus sometimes is just like, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. It's just like, you know, nothing's really good or it's bad. Trying to right? keep your head above water. Yeah. Nothing's good or bad. I'm curious too, because like with the coach that I work with, right. I've uncovered a lot of these things, but like, you know, it's patterns that I continue to see over and over. And from my understanding, from what my friend told me is like, it's the ayahuasca retreat, or, I mean, that, ceremony is it's very jarring right so i'm like man i wonder if i need to go through like a jarring experience to like really take action on these patterns sometimes you know i, I think it's different for everybody like i think you can have you know kind of big tentpole realizations that are like you know high watermark experiences like a ayahuasca or something like that and sometimes it's just about like the daily improvement though you know a lot of people do like an ayahuasca experience or some sort of big experience and then they like just go back to their normal life and they like don't integrate it. 
you know, and I think the most important thing is obviously that you integrate whatever you've learned into your life. And so it's a, it's kind of a mix, you know, like of I heard, like, I think sometimes the daily practice is what helps you, you know, improve your life, like one drop at a time in the bucket, you know? And so I don't know, they both kind of work yeah, in different I, ways. For sure. I think this topic kind of goes hand in hand with you talking about, I remember you've made some videos on this. You've, you've tweeted about this in the past, but dealing with imposter syndrome after selling a company for a billion dollars. So can you talk about that? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, impo- you know, imposter syndrome for me, was like pretty constant, not, you know, it was like when I was an entrepreneur and then after, and, you know, it wasn't so much like, oh, I have imposter syndrome because I sold this company for a billion dollars, but it was more like I have imposter syndrome in general, because it seems like other people like know what's going on and what they're doing. And like, I feel like I don't really know what I'm doing. And, you know, the thing about like, if you're an entrepreneur, especially, but really for most people in most jobs where there's some sort of progression, you know, you're going to feel imposter syndrome over time because you're always doing something new. You know, if you're, there's progression in your job, like you got to raise, you're trying, you know, you get a promotion, you're managing people now for the first time or managing teams of teams for the first time, like that's something new and you're like not going to be an expert at it. So you're going to feel like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you look around and other people aren't necessarily telegraphing or telling you like they don't know what they're, they feel that way too. And so it's like just an information asymmetry. Right. And so that was my experience was like, I felt this throughout my career is like, oh, I have this like information asymmetry. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing and everybody else seems to know what they're doing. And like, the funny thing is I, I kind of posted about this maybe a couple months ago and tweeted about it and posted this video. And I got responses from like people who ran one CEO ran a $30 billion company. And he was like, oh, I feel the same way. And then another person was a mayor of like a major city who was like, I feel the same way. So like, no matter who you are, you know, you could be at the top in very many different ways and you could feel imposter syndrome, you know? And so I think it's just very common. It's a very common way to feel. Maybe it's not what, that's what pushes us. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing I'd say about kind of the selling the company is like, you know, a lot of times when you're trying to be successful, you think that, oh, there's this milestone. And if I could just get there, then I'll be finally set, you know, I'll be all good. And like all my worries will go away. I won't be so much worried about my financial security or like my job or my the path or my career or whatever. And then you get that. And then you realize like, oh, there's just another set of milestones. Like the, you know, I've kind of acclimated to this new normal and there's like something else. And that's this feeling of a hedonic treadmill. And, you know, it's very common too. And so, you know, like that's what happens when you stake your hat on, uh, you know, you kind of like you're hanging your hat on like extrinsic goals, you know, like it will always happen that there's another extrinsic goal around the corner. After we sold Twitch, I was like, Oh, you know, kind of conceptually, I know knew like I'd done better than I had set out to when we started, but then I had friends who started Dropbox and Airbnb and Coinbase and whatever. And like, you know, so there was, and I was like, Oh, I didn't do that good compared to these guys, you know? So <laughs> it's always something else. Yeah. You know, it's what's interesting. I mean, this is just my observation that there's just like, to get to this level of calm, I'm observing from the audience, like you look at Justin, there's a level of calm, but it's, it took a lot of work to get yeah. there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I did a lot of self-work. I mostly, you know, most of what I'm engaged in most of the time is some form of self-work, you know, yeah. like I meditate a lot or like fast or workout exercise, you know, gratitude journal. I just have a lot of, you know, or like any, you know, any of these experiences or therapy or having a CEO coach or ayahuasca or meditation retreat. (laughs) Like I'm just like really into like the self-work now because I saw so much improvement in my own life come from the intrinsic and not from the internal experience and not from the external. 
personal development guys does a body good. I want to talk about your brand for a second, you know, with this being a marketing podcast. So like I mentioned earlier, like you're investing, you got the podcasts and then you're working on a burning man car. <laughs> and then you've got this new startup too. You sold Twitch for a Billy. So you do a lot of different things, right? I think that's kind of part of your brand and the self-work piece as well. So you've got your YouTube channel, which I forgot to mention too. So what is kind of the goal behind, you know, your content output right now? Is there any goal behind it? Yeah. I just do whatever I like to do, right? Like, I think for me, as it relates to my brand, you know, especially, or also, you know, it's like, for me, I'm just like, I just want to be the best Justin Khan I could be. You know, I used to want to be someone else. I want to be Jeff Bezos or something like Mm -hmm. that. I was like, oh, I want to be someone who's the most successful entrepreneur. Or like, I was trying to be someone else. And then I realized through this personal development, I guess, in this self-work, I was like, oh, I should just be myself. And like, do what I love to do. And there's kind of like no thought to the economic component of that. Like, is this like the most valuable thing I could be doing? Is it the most lucrative? I don't know. And uh, I don't really care at this point. And I know it's probably like a lot of people would probably be like, Oh, that's a luxury that you don't have to care. But I think that like, really it's like, if you are your authentic self, then you're going to be living your best life. And I really believe that like, you know, it'll work out better for you in terms of like your career, you know, like, so for me, I'm just like, focus on what's authentic to me. And that's the content I put out. That's the projects I work on, you know, what's authentic, what's interesting, what's like supportive of the values I believe in. And if I just do those types of things, then it's all going to work out. Is kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. And I have like, I have so much more energy to do those things, you know, so I can do a lot because I'm like, doing the thing, working on the things that are authentic to me that I'm excited about and I enjoy working on. Yeah. I mean, to your point, like I can hear the pushback from people where it's just like, well, that's easy for you to say. Right. But it's like, it takes like, there's levels to everything. You have to like put in the work to actually get there and put in the self-work to get there before you can get to the level where you're like, you know, able to work on the stuff you want to work on. Right. So I think there's progressions to all of this. Yeah. But even, uh, you know, even as someone who's like an entry, like starting a new job, right. They're starting their career. You know, it's you can still have choices. You have choices of like what kind of job do you want to work on, right? And like a lot of people, you know, I went to Yale University, and then lots of my friends went and became investment bankers or consultants, right? And like that's a choice. You don't have to make that choice. They're making a money optimizing choice to you know possibly for many of them. You know, some people really love those jobs, but like most people who accepted those jobs were optimizing for money over learning you know, or their happiness or like being able to do the thing that they wanted to really wanted to do in the world. And so, you know, you always have a choice, you know, wherever you're at. Yep. Obviously I have like maybe more resources and experience to support my choices, but like, you know, you'll get there eventually. Yeah. Well, I think over time you learn to make the right choices, the right decisions, and then it leads you to the next level. So that's how I look no. at it at least. So this is, I mean, because you're so deep in the Web3 space right now, I guess, what projects are you most interested in right now? And how are you learning and getting better at the space? Because there's just so much information coming every day. Yeah. So it's mostly what I'm mostly focused on is games right now because fractalist gaming marketplace. You know, I was not that interested in Web3 when mostly it was DeFi, you know, and for me, you know, this just wasn't interesting to me. And so now that there's like more consumer apps and especially games, I think games, crypto games have the opportunity to onboard the next hundred million people into crypto. So for me, it's like, that's really interesting. I love games. I played a lot of games when I was growing up and I love the opportunity of uh, what I'm really excited about. is like this crypto can make games more open and programmable, right? They can turn these games into platforms 
of you know almost IP platforms on top of which other people could build experiences or build interoperable experiences. And so, as a programmer, that's really exciting. And so I'm you know kind of like excited to see what happens there. I'm following a lot of games. I'm invested in some games, and you know that's kind of where I sit. Got it. And which games are you most excited about? Well, there's a game called Mobland. That's it was previously called Sin City. And that one is pretty interesting. It's like, they call it a mafia metaverse, but it's basically like a car battler mechanic game that's it has like a mafia, like a Grand Theft Auto like theme. So that game is one that we're invested in through Goat that we're pretty excited about. There's a game on Solana ecosystem that's more of like a metaverse where you eat, there's different apartments called Portals that I'm pretty excited about. That's like uh, different spaces, you know, kind of like Animal Crossing style or something like that. And they built something that people are using right now. So it's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, those are some of the ones on my list. I'm curious. I've actually never talked to another gamer about this yet. And so like, you know, again, all the MMOs, right? So uh, Ultima, there's EverQuest and then World yeah. of Warcraft. There's all this other stuff. And so like all the, like people's paying like a couple million bucks for space in the metaverse. Like it's just like the user base isn't quite, this is me thinking a lot. The user base, isn't quite there yet. And a lot of these games end up dying, like the user base moves over to somewhere else. So like, is there true value in kind of investing in land right now? Like I can't justify, like I can justify buying like an NFT, like a punk or something, but I can't justify like buying the land. Like, how do you think about that? Well, I think people are interested in buying the land because, you know, obviously space where humans congregate is valuable, right? Like, so that's, you know, there's, they're drawing a parallel from the like, offline to the online, right? Like, so if, you know, land is like valuable in the offline world because it's, you know, can be used for many different things. And like, you know, you can have an apartment or like a building where it's like, or like a business or church or gathering space, or, you know, there's all these different uses for land, right? Like, or it's can be productive for farming or whatever, right? So like then, you know, there's this question of like in the metaverse is that going to be, there's an assumption there's going to be many different productive uses for this land that can turn it into like a valuable asset. Right. So that's why everybody wants to be a metaverse with land and why everyone's like, there's a lot of people investing in different land, whether it's on, you know, sandbox or decentral land or NFT worlds, I see as a new one that's, you know, kind of coming up. So, you know, I think you're right, which is like, kind of like, are these use cases going to materialize? I have no idea, to be honest, right? People are working on it. Do you have uh, any land? I don't have any land. There you go. <laughs> I don't have any land. I don't yeah. really have that many NFTs, at least not very expensive ones. I should say relative to my, you know, kind of total crypto holdings. You know, I have like probably tens of thousands of dollars of NFTs or something, but not like, mm. you know, to me, that was more to learn. It was like, not because I particularly think I'm investing in them or know anything special, right? Like I'm just like learning and kind of like buying kind of, oh, it's like, oh, this is cool or whatever. And I'll like get one of those or whatever, you know, it's like, so, but it's not like I have any strategy or anything like that. So I should caveat it with like, I'm not really investing in this space in general, except to learn. And so I think it's probably, you know, I do think it's interesting because I'm both like a, a NFT bear and bull at the same time, probably. <laughs> and that, so like I'm long-term, I'm a bull in that I really believe that NFTs, both like digital art, but like especially gaming NFTs are that this is going to be like here to stay. It's like a durable behavior shift in people's online behavior. So, you know, to me, it's like, this is clearly going to be a new business model for games. And like, that is really interesting. At the same time, I do think we've been in this like speculative asset bubble where like all sorts of speculative assets 
NFTs being one of them, but not exclusively NFTs. This also applies to like Pokemon cards and sports cards and, you know, like meme stocks and, you know, like all sorts of stuff like that, you know, like basically everything on Robinhood and shit coins and whatever, Shiba Inu coin, they're all like, you know, they've been inflated and it's, you know, we're likely to see a bear in some, you know, short and medium term, but like, I don't know, I'm not really a finance guy. This is just like, you know, don't look to me for financial advice. So anyway, so it's interesting. I'm not like, I guess I'm not ready to ape in, in a big way to land is my long answer for that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I think we need to like, even if it's a while, like it's still like people, the intention starts to wane over a period of time. So again, like you can always keep creating new games like here. Like if you're in like SF or you're in Miami, like that's actually scarce. So anyway, we'll leave that one alone. Condos in Miami is what's scarce right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, so, okay. How do you think about your, let's just talk about investing for a little bit. Cause we're on the topic. How do you think about your angel investing? Is there like a thesis behind it or is it more like bottoms up? I mean, I, in general, there's like certain themes that I like. I'm interested in at different times. You know, it changes all the time. Right now, it is really Web3 and Web3 gaming. So I'm like really interested in that as a theme and like looking for companies there. And then it's all about the team, right? It's all about the person, the team. Who do we think is like good and going to build, right? And then find those people, invest in those people. That's it. It's like pretty simple, actually. Yeah. You have a really good video on how you use Notion for your investing. So, Oh yeah. I kind of organize everything in Notion or my whole life is like organized in like Notion and Todoist. Yeah. Just go to YouTube guys, type in Justin Con Notion and you'll find it. Nice. They sponsor that video. So they're getting some value right now. I love that. Oh, what? Hey, Notion over here. Don't forget about me. Uh, (laughs) They, uh, yeah, I actually used it before. And like, I have a bunch of friends who at the company and I used it for a long time. So, you know, yeah. yeah. That's funny. By the way, everyone, like there's influencer marketing, KOL. Like when you think about YouTube and there's people right now, there's this big gaming company. What they do is they pay like a hundred dollars to like someone that big TikToker in the Philippines, which is like, it's good money, a hundred dollars. And like, they'll just blow their game up and like get like hundreds of thousands of likes and views on it. So that's just a little bit, I'll share that nugget with you all and you can do what you want with it. So how do you personally think about, you mentioned that you're mostly into like, if you're into web three stuff, you're probably investing in coins right now. So how does asset allocation look for you? as an investor right now. No, I'm not like the person to ask. I have By like, the way, this is not financial advice, everyone. I'm definitely, this is like, before I feel like I had an idea here, I like have no idea. I mean, if I was, I'm like more of like a Bitcoin ETH holder, you know, some Solana actually, I guess. Same. And then that's it. Like, I mean, I have a lot of like, I have not a lot. I have some random projects, but it's more because I know the founders and I like those it's like just based on my personal relationships, you know, like, Oh, I like these guys. So like, I know them. And, and so it's, I guess it's more like investing that way, but it's not, I'm definitely not like understanding and canvassing the world of projects. I think, you know, primarily actually I'm investing, I would say most of my crypto investments are through funds, like, or where people are like paying much more attention than I am, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't really understand that. I mean, I, I've made some crypto infrastructure and DeFi investments, like very few, but like personally, but like most of it is through funds that are doing it professionally where I'm like, these guys understand what the fuck is going on at a level that's way beyond where I do, you know? Very smart. Very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Working towards wrapping up here. Yeah. I think it's, don't try to be an expert in everything. You don't need to try. Yeah, to, exactly. Try to don't try to be an, Warren Buffett said this, right? He's like, you can make 20 good investments in your life. Like just, you just need to, if I, okay. So I like looked at my angel investments, 
recently. And I bet there's probably four angel investments that make up 80% plus of my angel returns or my, you know, you know, yeah, they're not liquid yet necessarily, but like angel, you know, so it's like, you know, you just really got to focus on the really best ones, you know? So you've invested in my, my EA put in notes here, 120 companies. No, it's more than that. It's like probably almost 200 companies personally. Okay. So it's like 2%, yeah. right? That's still a pretty, I mean, usually you're aiming for 1% to be like a really big hitter, right? So it's not yeah, that. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So two final questions from my side, actually three. Talked about kind of investing in yourself. How do you invest into waking better? I think that was one of your tweets too. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, I mean, there's a lot out there. There's, once again, by better experts than me, like go to bed at the same time every day. I wake up at the same time every day. I, I usually, I try to sauna actually before bed. Uh, now I think that helps a lot. I, I built a sauna in my house and then, yeah, I'm trying to wake up and uh, set up and like, you know, do my meditation and gratitude journal every day. So if I do that kind of every day, it works out, you know. Are you meditating for how long a day, like an hour? You know, I used to before I had a kid, but now that I have a kid, my meditations are like, you know, let's call it, I'm good if I can do 25 minutes, but like, it might be, uh, you know, median might be 15 minutes, you know? So like, you got to do what you can do. To me, it's more important than to have the habit that you do it every day versus, you know, having any amount of time. Yeah. All right. Favorite book. Uh, There's a book called Shogun, which is by James Clavell. It's a story of this marooned sailor in Japan in 1600 and how he navigates the political intrigue of, you know, these warring factions trying to become shogun. Huh. So he doesn't become a shogun. No, he's just like, he's kind of like a participant, but it's, it's very interesting. It's like, I've learned a lot from the book. It's a beautiful book. Okay. Favorite personal or business tool. I don't know. I really like signal. Like I do most of my work now is like chat instead of email. It's like, now I'm just talking to people on text all the time and like signal is it, you know, it's the one that I trust. It's not, not spying on me. Fascinating. Even though we're in that one group with a lot of... On Telegram. Leave, yeah, the Telegram group. Uh, Telegram. Eric and I are in an alpha group. Is it an alpha group? I, it's I, just a I, fun. It's for... It's I guess a, it's so. A, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Justin, this has been great. What's the best way to, for people to find out more about you? Yeah, you can follow me at Justin Khan, K-A-N, at Justin Khan on Twitter. Or, and then check out Fractal at Fractal Wag Me on Twitter and at Fractal Wag Me on I think it's on discord.gg slash fractalwagme, but just our Twitter, yeah, at fractalwagme. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks so much for doing this. All right. Thanks, Eric. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.